right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center Sunday morning service. We are going to have an awesome time today. We are baptizing a whole bunch of people, so we're excited about that. Praise the Lord. Of course, we're going to worship Jesus together and, and pray together and hear the Word of God. It's going to be an awesome day together with the family of God. I'm really excited you're here. Let's go ahead and stand up today. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because that's how we open up every service. We believe that America is coming to Jesus. And if there was ever a time to use your faith, amen, in this world, it is today, 2022. We need to be connected to Jesus like we've never been connected before. Times are serious. But praise God, we're going to pray for Ukraine in just a little bit. But what we're going to do right now is open up with some words of faith over America. Let's do this. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. Well, uh, we love you. And so what we'd like to do is take a few minutes to say hello. We're going to take a minute to do our meet and greet time. You can go give some high fives, some handshakes. And if you're okay with it, we'll even give you a hug. And if you're not okay with it, just wave us off and we'll try our best not to hug you. But we are an affectionate group of people around here. So amen. We want you to feel loved today. Let's take a few minutes. Go meet somebody new and say hello. Overtaken, every wall comes crashing down. I'm free in your presence. Whoa, you have lifted my burdens, you surround me with your grace, full of hope in your presence. Whoa, and I I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. Whoa. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. See the kingdom of heaven Here's the night with endless light We're alive in your presence Whoa You have won our salvation If the cross won sacrifice So can you're in your presence Whoa And I I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. Whoa. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. Whoa. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. 
if God's for you, who can be against you? And um, and so Ukraine and Russia are uh, do hold a special place in uh, in our family's hearts. My dad, who's getting ready to come up here, uh, he spent some time in Ukraine in I think 1999 and ministered to a lot of Christians there and got a lot of people to receive Jesus and led prayer meetings with thousands of people. We'll show you some of those pictures in a minute. Uh, when I was 15, I spent about a month in St. Petersburg, Russia, myself, and ministered on the streets there as a 15-year-old. In fact, my 15th birthday was spent in St. Petersburg, Russia. And so uh, we, we understand that there are good people in both of those countries. There's Christians praying. And as a born-again Christian in the comfort of the United States, you better realize those are your brothers and sisters over there. Amen. If they're born again, those are your brothers and sisters. And uh, we have a duty, we have a calling to pray for the hand of God to intervene and do something big over there. And I would know that if uh, if, if our country was under attack, I would, would want every Christian in the world having our back in prayer. Amen. And so I'm going to have my dad come up for just a minute this morning. And uh, he's going to share with us just a little bit about... Um, about Ukraine, and then he's going to lead us in a prayer for them, and then we'll go ahead and move on with our service. But uh, it's so important right now that we recognize what's going on in this world and that we don't ignore it. We ain't sticking our heads in the sand about this. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Times are serious. Yeah. It's for real. Uh, Heather, go ahead and start putting some of those pictures up there. Do you see that big statue right behind us back there? Could you see that picture right there? Well, that's called the Mother of the Motherland. And they were atheists over there. That, that, was the, that was the main rallying point for all Kiev when I was over there. We saw that, we saw that every day. And uh, that's some that's of the people are working with. Let's go ahead and do another with Heather. And see that tank right there? I was, I was just telling Lawrence back there, it's the strangest thing. We were there in 1999, and the Iron Curtain fell in 1991. And the people over there, there were lots and lots of Christians but churches were illegal in communism because they were atheists and they didn't want anybody to know anything about God or anything. So where that tank is, there were tanks everywhere around that park we were at. And the strangest thing, there were a lot of weddings taking place underneath the tanks. And the and the that looked just like our weddings. They had they had lots of pretty women with, with white dresses on, bridesmaids with white dresses on, men with tuxedos. They're getting married under the tanks. And I asked I asked the Ukrainians who were Russian. Because they were all there, were all one. Except they finally split off and said, "Why are they doing that? Why do they get married at the church?" They said they don't know what that is yet. It hadn't caught on their culture. Churches were so illegal. The military was their god, and so they got married around military things under cannons, tanks, and stuff like that. Because that's what the Russians worshipped. They thought that was their strength, was their military. But guess what? It's come around again, hadn't it? And tried to take them over. But anyway, go ahead, do another one, Heather. And that there's some of the some of the people from the Baltics we minister to. That's just that's just a small morning crowd we had there. But that's that's myself sitting down the front row with my music minister then. And uh, I, 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 I was I was thinking about the thing back then. This is 1999. We had people come from the Baltics. They traveled for a week or two to get there. A lot of them were pastors and spiritual leaders. They sold all their earthly possessions to have train fare and bus fare and make it to get there because the Americans were there going to teach them how to use their faith. We took in uh, probably thousands of Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Culpin books in Russian to distribute there among the Baltics, among those people there because they were Christians 
and they didn't have access to the teaching we have here in America, so we went there to teach them. Actually, uh, the group I was with was called International Interpreters Association, and those people wanted to learn the word of faith, plus they wanted to learn English. And so when we preached, the lots of the different leaders come up there and take turns interpreting what we were saying so they could learn the English language too because they knew that learning English was the key to their success in life because they, if they knew English, they could go places and do things because that was such a predominant thing. But anyway, go ahead and show that other picture there now. Now that there's a shop back here when we had, I don't know how, how many thousands of people at nighttime because they still didn't really have churches there yet in 1999. That was a sports arena because sports was their second God. And that place there smelled like, I told Mrs. Pastor, the smell was so horrible for the beer and all the stuff in that place there, it was just wretched because that's all they do was military and sports. And if they, if, they, if they could conquer the world through sports, they really thought they had something going. So praise God, Rusty just lost a bunch of Olympic things. That, that's a big thing. But anyway, that, that arena there, that church there, that, 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 that's the tallest platform been on. That platform is about eight foot above everybody. That place was so huge. We had to really be up there for them to see us. But, that, but the, 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 the people there were so hungry for that word. And I'm thinking about something very, very odd about that. They didn't have any black people in there except for the pastors of the big churches. God sent Nigerian people in there to lead those people for some reason. I, don't, I still don't have figured that out yet. That, that, that church there, that arena seated 15,000 people, that wasn't the biggest church. They had one a lot bigger than that, and it, that had a Nigerian pastor. The other big churches had Nigerian pastors, but God sent those pastors in there to teach all those white people about Jesus. Isn't that amazing how God does things? That's kind of a sign and a wonder. And uh, we're going we're to pray in just a second, but those people there, on Friday night, I was there two Friday nights because we were there for a couple weeks, we had, we, had to, we had to start clearing out to be out of there by 9 o'clock every Friday night. And I don't know what they do now, but every Friday night, thousands of people showed up there to have all-night prayer for grave. They were people like us. They were people hungry for God, except the difference was they, they just got freed from communism. They wanted to stay free. And so by the time 9 o'clock came, we were out of there because I'd say at least two or 3,000 people had already showed up by 9 o'clock and they prayed all night. You think American people pray all night with the communists trying to take us over? And I think about the subways. We're going we're to pray for the whole thing. But I rode on the subways there, and you can get out of your mind the picture of American subways and bus lines. I think the subway I rode on was about 12 levels down. When we got the subways, you walked to this door, and there were elevators. At level one, level two, level three, they're all full-blown subways with multiple railroad tracks and trains way under the earth. And so I'm concerned right now about these people I see that are hiding in the subways. What happens to the knock electricity out? Do they lose their oxygen? Do all the trains and the lights go out when you're way under the earth like that? It's really scary to think about. And so this is so real and so serious. And prayer really does work. If you're praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, playing in line with the Word of God, then you know that things are happening. And I, I, want, I want to say this, what I think of all the time. If you're a Christian that's read the Bible, and you know that Israel was captive in Egypt. And God sent judgment through Egypt 
And the Bible teaches that God's people living in Egypt were protected. When the plagues came, the Hebrews didn't get hit. And so I'm believing, just like I believe for us in America, with the things going around, if we're, if we're Christians, that belief in Psalms 91, that we live in the secret place of the Most High, we live under the shadow of the Almighty, a thousand might fall at our left hand, 10,000 are right hand, but not come nigh us. Only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so I believe for those Christians over there. I believe for all the people. But I believe for those Christians over there that are walking to their faith, they can have divine safety and protection. And the people gather with them can have it too. And so I'm, I'm going to pray, but I want to read you a Bible, three Bible verses out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. And this, this is one of the greatest things you can pray for Christians everywhere, but especially right now in Ukraine. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3 says this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. That the word of God will be preached everywhere there. They'll pray the word, they'll preach the word, they'll speak the word of God, because what does God do? He watches over his word to perform it. What does Jesus do? He confirms his word besides following. So we can pray for all the safety and protection, which we do, but the number one thing, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Amen. Amen. And the word of God. And so Paul said, pray that the word of Lord have free course. And then also verse 2 says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. And so the word of God needs to flow. They need delivered from the communist. And then says, the Lord is faithful, shall establish you and keep you from evil. And so one more thing I want to say I'm just thinking of. The missionary I was with over there that we supported for years out of Indiana, I used to travel with and do things with, he lives in Belarus now. Has anybody heard of Belarus lately? Well, I got, I got to lead the daughter of the secretary of whatever they call it over sports for all of Belarus to the Lord. I got to spend some time with her, minister to her, and I led her through a prayer of salvation in Russia through an interpreter. And so I know that in the high office there, there's born again Christian families, even part of Belarus. But anyway, Jim Harper sent me an email a couple weeks ago. His son, his, his family now, he got married here, married a Belarusian girl. But they have citizenship in Belarus and America. And when things started heating up a couple weeks ago, he said, please be praying for us for Jimmy. Jimmy's about 18 years old now said they're wanting to take him to the Belarusian army to go fight the Ukrainians. Well, they're, they're like us. They're Americans. They live there. And who would want to be in an army fighting your own people? And so we, we pray for them. But I'm going to pray for them over there now. And I think it's good a lot of times to hold hands as an outward sign of our inward unity. As we hold hands, we're linked up together in faith believing as we pray, Mrs. Pastor said, of course, pray in the Spirit. When I pray, you can be praying in the Spirit if you're tongue talkers. Pray in the Spirit with us. But uh, let me ask you this. Just how many really believe that God is greater than Putin? Amen. God is great, greater than Russian war planes and tanks and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, I think about this. Pharaoh thought he was the hot shot for all his chariots and all of his warriors. They went through the Red Sea. What happened to Pharaoh? Amen. I believe that Putin is going to meet his Red Sea. There you go. And, and these other people over there want to destroy Christianity and what's right. Amen. Amen. 
Well, Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I know there's a lot of people all the world right now praying for Ukraine and for a lot of things that's going on everywhere. But right now, Lord, the most obvious current thing we see to pray for Christianity is the believers in Ukraine and that part of the world over there. And Father, I just want to thank you for all the prayers that have been prayed. And we're in agreement for the Word of God where you said out of Second Thessalonians, the Word of the Lord have free course and be glorified. And that they be delivered from these unwicked, unwicked men that aren't faithful if you establish them and keep them from evil. Lord, we believe for Psalms 91. Psalms 91 over all these Ukrainians, Lord, that want to put a thousand flight, two foot, ten thousand to flight. And Lord, I think about Rahab Harlot. She did what she was supposed to do to help your people. And when she did, they told her, bring all the people into your apartment, into your house and it will not be destroyed by us with you. And I know that in Noah's day, all the ones that wanted to get on the ark, they were delivered. And I pray, I pray that all these hurting people in Ukraine right now will gather around Christians. Even if they're not Christians, they'll gather around Christians, get close to Christians. And Lord, the Christians, the Christians would speak faith. They'd plead the blood of Jesus. They'd speak the word of God. They'd just be thanking and praising you, Lord, for your safety and protection. And, Father, we just want to thank you that as Christians around the world pray that you're moving and the Ukraine's not going to fall, but they're going to prevail, Lord, and they're going to be able to do what they've always done for the last bunches of years, no matter what the news reports, Lord. I know from first-hand experience there's hundreds of thousands of born-again believers, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word-of-faith Christians in that land there. And, Lord, I want to thank you for sparing the land. I want to thank you for revival breaking out, Lord. I want to thank you for great things happening. And, Lord, as far as that Russian army goes, Lord, I know there's a lot of innocent young men and maybe young women, too, in that Russian army. They don't believe in a thing what's going on. They don't want to be there. They want to find a way out. And I pray for courage for those young Russians that they walk away, turn away. They do whatever they got to do, not participate and that they themselves would be able to hear the gospel and preach the gospel to the ones they're supposed to be killing, Lord. And we just want to thank you that what Satan's meant for harm, you're going to turn around for good, Lord. Now this whole thing, we're going to see revival come across Europe, revival come across Eurasia, Lord, and see things turn around there for your glory. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. And we believe that our prayers avail much, as James chapter 5, verse 16 says. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to kind of get back into our normal service here, our regular service. Um, and I got some announcements for you. All right. I know it's kind of a change of gears there, but praise God. Um, we got a few things to go over here. First of all, um, Brother Robert wanted me to announce that he's going to be having a softball practice today at one o'clock at the high school. So if you're interested in joining the church softball team, then, hey, uh, I see Robert and that'll be at one o'clock at the lower high school field. And hopefully they can get a good, uh, they're trying to get the Christian league going this year. So we want to get out there for that. All right. We've got young adults coming up this Friday night. Yes. 
So that's for ages 18 to 30, and uh, it's going to be at 6.30 at Pastor Katie and I's house, and we're going to be uh, frying up some fish, and you're like, well, hey, why are you frying fish? It's National Tartar Sauce Day. Come on, you know that. Get with the program. Seriously. And we're going to be doing some fish tacos. Adriana's uh, church done, told me that she's going to be uh, bringing the fixings for that. So fish tacos and Jesus time. Amen. So if you're 18 to 30 and you want to go, uh, we will get you my address because I don't want to put it on the Internet. You know what I'm saying? There's weirdos out there. Uh, anyway, but if you want to come on out, come on out to that. That's Friday. And then the intentional parenting class is starting up one week from today. So what we've got, um, we've got a lot of families signed up for this, but we've got, it's a five-week class, one hour a week. It's going to be on Sundays from 4 to 5 p.m. starting next week, and uh, it's called Intentional Parenting, and it's a great way to show you how to have a game plan for your parenting because, hey, I found out that a couple years into it, I'm like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I, I have no idea what I'm doing. You've got to have a game plan and be intentional with it, and so we are really excited. Lawrence and Leah are in charge of our family life ministry. They're going to be teaching the class. So if you want to get signed up, go ahead and put your name down there, and you can grab a book out of the bookstore. The book is $25, and that gets you what you need, and it's going to be an awesome class. So get signed up for that. All right, here's a big one. Baby dedications are coming up. And, um, yeah, had lots and lots of families saying, hey, we want to dedicate our babies. So it's going to be the last Sunday of March. That'll be the 27th at the 10 a.m. service. So you need to go to the info booth there and sign up for that and it's going to be a great time for you to invite your family and whatnot and celebrate dedicating your baby to the lord and then another big announcement here is easter is not that far away it's going to be sunday april the 17th and uh, we're going to have a just a great big time we're doing a, a big egg hunt out there and of course most importantly teaching the kids the story of jesus amen and uh the kids are going to be doing a performance it's going to be an awesome awesome day um miss desiree told me to announce a couple of things um they do uh, i'm going to have this back at the info booth but we need a team to help pack um uh, the candy eggs because we're going to have thousands of those so we need all hands on deck, but uh, if you want to help out with packing eggs, you can sign up on here. Uh, there's a setup crew and a, and a teardown crew and all this stuff, but we want you to be involved so you can help bring people to Jesus because that is the most important thing that we are called to do. Can I get an amen today? All right. So uh, final thing is this. I need my welcome team. Is my welcome team here? All right. If you are with, there's Sabrina. All right. She can, she's our welcome team today. If you are with us today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we have a welcome gift that we want to give you. If you could slip your hand up, we're not going to put you on the spot, but Sabrina wants to give you a welcome gift. Amen. And uh, she's got an info card there. If you could fill out that info card, uh, and that way we can get a chance to send you an email this week or a postcard and say, hey, we'd like to introduce ourselves. But she's going to hook you up with that. And uh, you turn your info card in, and she has a gift for you today. All right? Praise the Lord. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time. Well, what's happy time? Man, God, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, so we are cheerful. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor come back up here and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. If you want to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. Hallelujah. 
is so wonderful to be in a place where we don't have to be concerned about bombs hitting our building, our communist soldiers running in and killing us because we believe in Jesus. Praise God for the freedom in America. Say, thank God for America. Praise the Lord for the freedom because of Jesus in America. Amen, amen. Well, hold up your hand for you to envelope for your tithes or for your offerings. And I want to look at a good Bible verse that I've thought about all morning. Psalms uh, 37, verse 25. Psalms 37, verse 25. <clears throat> and uh, I could have wrote this first part. I've been young and now I'm old. I'm a little older than I used to be, but I was young too. But I also, what I see here that I can say the same thing that King David said. He said, I've been young, now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And what that means is this. In modern times in the New Testament, if you're Jesus' lover, and you choose to live for Jesus, and not be a double agent, somebody that lives for Jesus on Sunday, or you're in church, but then lives like everybody else the rest of the time. But if you live for Jesus all the time, out in the workforce, around your family, around the people out there that, that don't know Jesus, if you're righteous and live for him, he said you're never going to be forsaken. And you're not going to be standing in front of Union Bank watching people get their ATM numbers. Amen. You're not going to be, you're, you're not going to be standing outside Del Taco begging for food. And see, I'm not putting down anybody that's doing that. I'm saying, God said, you'll not be a beggar. Your children will not be beggars. If you live righteous, there's so many reasons to want to live right. But I'll tell you what, especially the times we live, if there's ever a time you should uh, say no to wrongdoing and yes to right living, it's now. We want to live right for God. But I've, I've got, I have a lot of children and a lot of grandchildren, and that's my seed. I don't want my grandchildren growing up under communism or anything else other than the America I knew. I love America. I love Jesus getting to be Lord over America. I love the good things in America. And, you know, we're doing the offer, but I just want to say this, remembering Ukraine again. Over in Ukraine, <laughs> how do you describe stores like they got over in Ukraine? They had some places there. It was like places I've seen in Mexico and other places way down in Mexico. All they got buildings with empty shelves. And if they find out there's, they're going to have a certain commodity come in that day, meat, eggs, or whatever it is, people get there before daylight, line up around the building, to try to get in line to be able to get something to feed their families. And when they run out, they run out, that everybody just goes home sad. Have anybody seen the empty shelves in America lately? The devil's not going to take over America. The righteous is going to live right and do right and have the full blessing of God on America again. We've taken things for granted. We've got to do right. We've got to live right. And I'll just throw this in there. As Christians... You need to go to good churches that teach the Word of God on how to believe God because if things happen to dry up, we can be like Israel and Egypt. We'll still have it. 
Amen. And so one more time, we'll see what he says. He said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And so I know, I, I know a lot of times not the how, but I know the who. If I look to the who, he shows me the how. He knows where it's at. He knows how to get it to me. And so let's just keep on living right for God. Uh, Tithing's Bible. We need to be tithers. Bring 10% to God at the storehouse of the church. And we need to be open to giving, not just in churches, but giving to others. As we're givers and we're tithers, then we keep the spigot of heaven open over our families where we'll always have more than enough. Amen. Amen. That's how this works. Well, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession. And worship God with our tithes and offers and bring them up to the altar. That's what they did in the Bible. They brought things to the altar of God to worship God with them. And I want to say it again. If you, if, if you give over the internet and things like that, now, which a lot of people do, well, come up to the altar anyway. As you come up, just be thanking the Lord for what you've already, already given, your tithe you've already put in over the internet. Just thank Him for that because there's something holy about this place up here. It's dedicated to God. And the anointing of God is stronger up here, really, than it is back there. But let's worship Him together with our tithes and offerings. Let's say this. As we break the Lord's tithe today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, as we worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, let's join us up here at the altar. We're about to sing zeal and to show myself approved. I studied this I looked up the definition of zeal, and it's having passion and energy for belief and purpose. And full of zeal, fervent, exhibiting enthusiasm, a strong passion. So let's have a strong passion for the Lord today and praise Him and worship Him.
resurrect a man with my own hands. But just the mention of your name can raise the dead. All the glory to the only one who can. Jesus said you. Jesus said you. wonder-working God on the miracles I've seen too good to not believe you're the wonder-working God and you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe you're the wonder-working God the wonder-working God, all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, you're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love, all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Let's sing this together. Oh, we've seen cancer disappear. Oh, we've seen broken bodies healed. Oh, don't you tell me he can't do it. Oh, don't you tell me he can't do it. Oh, we've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. And it's finally free Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it And we'll see cities in revival And salvation flood the streets Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We'll see glory fill the nations You tell me he can do it, I know that he can. I believe it's the wonder-working God, the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. It's the wonder-working God, and he heal because you love Miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. Let's sing this again. We see cancer, we see cancer disappear, 
but they're the one headed for destruction. And they think you're the crazy one, right? And it says, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. Is there somebody in here today that you have been touched by the very power of God? And then the Apostle Paul went on to write, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. You don't come to God through your mind. You don't, you don't come to, to Jesus and, and understand the things of God up here. You understand it right here in your heart. And those that totally only rely on their own understanding, they never make it. You've got to get to this place of faith where you believe in Jesus in your heart. And you can say, hey, he's doing things that I can't even understand. But that's okay because I serve a really big God. And so Paul went on to say, God chose things the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And so if you're in here today and like, man, I'm powerless. People think I'm a fool. God's going to use you in your weakness to display his strength. Amen. And so I encourage us today, man, I, I want to do a whole teaching on that. That's been on my heart, but it's incredible right now. The people that think you're crazy and think you're foolish, yet they're the ones that their lives are falling apart. You're in here with the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. Your kids love you. Your wife loves you. And you're doing all right. And they want to call you a fool. Ignore that, man. Shake the haters off of your life. Can I say that today? Shake the haters off of your life and realize that God uses the things the world calls foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And so, yeah, I've seen miracles. I've seen incredible things. So don't you tell me he can't do it in your life. He can do it in your life, but you've got to believe it. Can I get an amen today? Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Do you want to just sing, don't you tell me he can't do it, whatever that part of the song is, one more time. (laughs) We've seen cancer disappear. We've seen broken bodies heal. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen real life resurrection. We've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We see families reunited. We see prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We see troubled souls deliver. We see addicts find the free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. And we'll see cities in revival. And salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see glory fill the nations. Like the world has now. 
I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep. Can you say digs deep? And lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now we look at this story and we're like, well, that's no fair. That one guy's house stood and and the other guy's, he lost everything. That's not fair. It's totally fair. They both had the exact same opportunity to lay the right foundation. One guy decided to do it and the other guy didn't. Well, that's not fair because this guy had a storm. They both had storms. And I see so often like, man, I've just been dealt a bad hand in life. And sure, yeah, maybe you've had some things come against you. But listen, there's always time to make Jesus the foundation of your life. Now, I I, I got a couple notes out of this before I really get into what I'm breaking down here. But it's very interesting. The very first verse there, verse 46, Jesus is almost confused. He says to these people, why do you call me Lord? When you don't actually do what I say. Isn't that confusing? If someone is constantly, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Now, I don't listen to him or do anything that he says, but he's absolutely my Lord. It's like, wait, you're a fake. You're a liar. He's not your Lord if you don't ever do anything he says. Wouldn't it be silly if someone went around calling you boss all the time? Hey, boss, anything else you need today? Yeah, could you take out the trash? Oh, no, thanks, man. It's not my thing. Okay. Hey, boss, how are you doing today, boss? And after a while, I'd be like, why do you keep calling me boss? You don't do anything that I say. I'm not your boss. Maybe you like me. You know, maybe you think I'm cool. Maybe you think, you know, I'm inspirational, but I'm certainly not your boss. And there's a lot of people that would tell you, man, is Jesus your Lord? Absolutely, brother. Amen. He's my Lord. But they don't do a thing that he says. And so Jesus asked a very honest, sincere question here. Why is it that you bother calling me Lord when you don't do anything that I say to do? And so certainly you can't not be in here today and say, no, he, Jesus is my foundation, absolutely, but you don't ever do a thing that he says to do. You like the idea of Jesus. You like the security that he brings. You like the comfort because he'll keep giving it to you. Amen. You like the inspiration of his teachings, but you cannot say that he's your foundation if you don't ever do anything that he says for us to do. And another thing that I point out here real quick, and I had you repeat it after me in verse 48, Jesus says this, this person here, person A, they dug deep and laid the foundation. What does that mean? Well, I know this much. Digging deep and laying the foundation, that takes some time, doesn't it? And so many people are in a rush in their life. They're like, yeah, man, I want Jesus to fix all my life, and he's got till this commercial breaks over. Jesus, do something. I mean, come on. If it took you 20 years to create the mess, give Jesus more than three minutes to fix it. Amen? Give him some time. And when somebody, I, I just, it's so important to me right here that it says, this person, they dug 
deep. They got down there. They, they, they dug some dirt, some trash. They dug some things. They cleared out the way. And then they took the time to lay the foundation and do things right. Does that mean that they never had anything bad happen after that? No. They had something bad happen. They had a storm hit their house. And so I, could, I would be lying if I was here today and said, hey, the minute that you choose to make Jesus your foundation, nothing bad will ever happen again. That doesn't mean that. There's still storms that come to everybody, but what I can promise you is this, is that your whole life is not going to fall apart, that your whole foundation is not going to be ripped out from beneath you, because Jesus is the only foundation that cannot be shaken. If your foundation is money, that can go in a heartbeat. If your foundation is, is, is your, you know, your family, that's a great thing. And family should be a key cornerstone, but your family cannot be your foundation because your family can, they can be attacked. They can sometimes split. And I'm not, you know, that's why we're here to help. But I'm telling you this right now, Satan cannot attack God. He can try. He can huff and he puff. Yeah, well, what about the cross? That wasn't Satan winning. That was Jesus saying, I'm laying my life down on my... He volunteered that. The devil did not have the power to straight mow Jesus down. Jesus said, I'm laying my life down for the sheep. But, but I'm, I'm choosing to do this. Don't feel bad for me. I chose this. And so Satan, he can attack all sorts of things in your life. Storms can come. But if you and your life and your family is built on the foundation of Jesus, he can huff, he can puff, he can try to blow the house down, but it is not going to work. And so what are we looking at today? We're going to look at for just a few minutes here on how you can make Jesus the foundation of your life and the foundation for your family. Does that sound like a pretty good idea? Because I'm tired of seeing families split. I'm tired of seeing, uh, you know, moms and dads uh, fighting and, and kids not knowing what's going to happen next and, 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 and all this stuff. I'm tired of that. I want to see some healthy, born-again, serving Jesus families that can make it through any storm that comes their way. And it can happen with the right foundation. Amen. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and we're going to jump right into the word of God today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we are gathered here in your name. We're not here in my name or, or the church name or somebody else's name. We are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray today that as we look at the word of God, you're going to speak to everybody here. Lord, you know what each person needs to hear and what they're facing and what they're going through. So I pray that you would show us the truth today in the name of Jesus and that we would receive it and we are changing our lives for the better in Jesus mighty name can someone say amen all right so let's look today at three things on how to make Jesus the foundation of your life and in fact Jesus just said it himself right there I'm just taking his text but check it out number one what do you got to do the first step to making Jesus the, the foundation is you got to come to Jesus you I mean you have to come to Jesus and so uh, we got this right here in verse 47. Jesus said, hey, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. Listen to my teaching and then follows it. And so if you are already a Christian, if you've already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have come to Jesus. Is there anybody here today that could raise their hand and say, I've come to Jesus and I ain't ashamed of it. Amen. I am proud of it that I have come to Jesus. So you've come to a point in your life where you've admitted that you don't have all the answers all by yourself. 
any of you may have some answers, but nobody in this world has all the answers in and of themselves. And nobody in this world is strong enough in and of themselves to face anything that comes down the road. But when you accept Jesus, you say, hey, I, I'm admitting that I need a savior. I'm not perfect. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I need a savior. And that's what happens when we come to Jesus. And that's obviously the most important step that anybody can ever take in their life. And so when I read this verse, first of all, you got to come to Jesus. The first thing that probably comes to a lot of our minds is this is like, well, that's talking about the new believer. That's talking about somebody that just gave their life to Jesus. And yeah, I, that obviously is talking about somebody that's a new believer, but I've also noticed that a lot of times people that have been Christians for a really long time, or, or maybe they were raised in church or, or maybe, you know, they, they've been around the ways of God or, or, or whatever the case is for a long time. I've seen many times somebody in that position that they don't really come to Jesus for everything anymore. And you're like, well, that sounds crazy. No, I, I see it all the time. You see somebody like, man, I, I just need some advice. I, I've got this going on and this going on. And, and somebody that's been in church for years. And I'm like, okay, did you talk to Jesus yet? Oh, yeah, I, uh, maybe I should have done that, huh? No, listen, you've got to come to Jesus no matter how long you've been in the house of God, no matter how long you've been in the family of God, don't get to the point where you start relying on your own understanding. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Well, there's some people that you're directing your path. And you probably wouldn't admit it, but it's the truth. You aren't trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, and you're definitely leaning on your own understanding. But don't ever get to the place in life that you quit coming to Jesus as your very first option. Any parents in here today? Parents, where are you at? We can tell you because you look tired. Okay, I see you. There you are. I see you. All right, very good. All right. So parents, um, you know, as kids are littler, right, uh, have you noticed that they come to you for everything. I mean, no matter what it is, they, they come to you. First of all, you are their first option, their first resort. If they run out of goldfish, they come to you. If they got to go potty, they come to you. If they got to whatever, if, if, if SpongeBob's off, they got to come to you. And for every problem they face, they go right to mom. They go right to dad. And then as they start to get a little bit older, they start coming to you less and less. And after a while, you're like, man, I wish you would have come to me for that. I, I could have handled that for you. And of course, it's a healthy thing as you grow older. You know, you shouldn't be 30 years old and having mommy fill up your goldfish bucket anymore, you know. <laughs> Tad bit weird, a little bit weird, but you know, we're not here to judge. We're just here to help. But at the same time, it's healthy to start, you know, growing to a place where you don't got to run to mom and dad for everything. But there is something really pure and innocent about a child running to mom and dad. Hey, I need help. I don't understand this. Can you explain this? I mean, my kids are constantly, hey, can you explain this? Do you, can, dad, what does this mean? And, and it's great. And I want to take the time to do that. But as a, even if you're, you know, 75 years old, you are still a daughter of the heavenly father. He doesn't see you as, you know, an elderly person. Uh, no matter how old, no matter how young you are, in God's eyes, you're still his child. 
and don't grow to the place where, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't need to go to prayer for that. I'm just going to figure that. No, we need to come to Jesus. That's the first step of what he said right here. Come to Jesus. Let me show you a verse uh, right here in Matthew. Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Now here's a story of Jesus saying, come to me. Just bring it to me. And there's a lot of people with burdens and things in this world that they don't understand. They don't know what's going on. There's people looking for answers like they've never looked for before. And Jesus, right here, he's saying, just come to me. I got you. I can handle this. But the first step to making him your foundation is, number one, you've got to come to Jesus. And so Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look here at verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I talk to so many people that they're burdened. They're carrying a big load on their back. They've got burdens and anxiety, and, and, and they feel like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders. And Jesus is saying, hey, calm down. Come to me. Bring it to me, and, and, and I will give you rest. And you may think, I don't need no rest. I got this. To-. You need rest. <laughs> you need rest from Jesus. Look at this. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And really, if you know what that word soul means, that means your mind and your will and your emotions. And there's so many people that they are mentally and emotionally worn out. The last two years have done a number on people. And I've, I, I've seen that. I've seen the, the, you know, the statistics of how many people are, are just stressed out to the max right now. And Jesus is saying, bring it to me. Give it to me. You will find rest for your soul. What is that? That is your emotions. It's your mind, your mental capacity. It is your will. Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. I'm humble. I'm gentle. Look at this. Verse 34, my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. When we come to Jesus, again, I I repeat, that doesn't mean you never have another problem again. But praise God, you've got the answer to every problem that comes your way now. And as you're making him the foundation, yeah, there's storms, yeah, there's winds. But it's not good enough to tear your house down. I was thinking about the house that my wife grew up in in Indiana. Uh, It's a beautiful house. They had added onto it. But the original part of the house was this log cabin that had been built in like the 1850s or something crazy like that. I mean, it was like 100, and it's still there, so whatever that is, 170 years old, something like that. And the house is still fine. And listen, we're from redneck country, all right? There's tornadoes. There's all sorts of just crazy winds and storms and blizzards. And and I cannot imagine out of 170 years the storms that this house has seen. But it is still standing there rock solid. Why is that? Well, the people, 170 years old, what did they do? They took the time to dig deep. They took the time to lay the foundation and do this thing right. 
And after everything this place has been through, it's still standing strong. So, you know, a fool would walk up and say, it's only standing because it's never seen any troubles. That's why. And people will look at your life and say, it's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to sit there and smile like that. You've never had any trouble. Man, you don't know the trouble I've seen. And I'm not singing that old song, all right? <laughs> Nobody knows. Amen? No, listen. You've seen trouble, maybe more than they've seen, but you have the right foundation so the trouble didn't destroy you. And so, yeah, people look at you like, easy for him to smile. Yeah. No, it may not be easy, but guess what? you still got a smile on your face because you've got the joy of the Lord as your strength, and you have the right foundation. And then I've seen houses that are 20 years old, and one storm comes through and blows them over because they didn't take the time to do it right. It was just, you know, a, just a, a quick job, just a quick fix, and it didn't even withstand the first couple of storms. So in your life, when you come to Jesus, that's step number one for making him your foundation. But then there's another thing that Jesus said right here in verse 47. We're going to keep flipping there. But but in, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 47, what's the next thing he said? He said, I'll show you what it's like when someone, number one, comes to me. Number two, listens to my teaching. And that's what you're doing here today. You're listening because I'm teaching the Bible. If I was teaching some other book, then you wouldn't be listening to the teachings of Jesus. But we are teaching the word of God. And so you've come to Jesus. And then number two, he says, they listen to my teaching. And so one thing I got to tell you about Jesus and communication and your relationship is communication is a two-way street. There's some people, they don't have any trouble just telling Jesus every day, man, I need this, man, I need that. Can you do this? Can I do this? I need about $1,000 by Friday. Can you do this over here? Blah, 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 blah. And that's good. You need to bring everything to him. But there's some people that they don't ever stop to listen to what he's saying. You do realize he'll talk to you, right? That's crazy, man. You're hearing voices now. No, it's not. I'm not. Listen, I talk to Jesus, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit talk to me. Well, how do they do that? Well, first of all, he talks to me through his word, through the written word of God. This is the will of God, the written word of God. And this is the biggest way he's going to uh, talk to you. And so I heard somebody say, don't say God's been silent when your Bible's been closed. Man, God don't ever talk to me, man. Do you ever open your Bible? He's got 66 books right there written straight to you. Don't tell me God never talks to you when you don't even open up the written book that he gave you. Well, that's not fair to him. And, and, and what if I wrote you like a, a thousand page letter and told you all of my heart, all of my thoughts. I just told you everything I ever wanted you to know and I gave it to you. Man, I wish he'd tell me what's on his mind someday. I wish he would at least take the, the, the opportunity and put in the effort to speak to me. I wrote you a thousand pages. <laughs> It's, it's rude of you. You're the rude one. You're not reading what I wrote down for you. And so you can't sit there and say, man, God never speaks to me. I'll tell you that right now. He would speak to you every day if you would open up his word and, and read and listen to what he has to say to you. Now, Romans 10, 17, if you're a member of this church, you can quote this verse. But Romans 10, 17, let's flip there real quick. Another way as we're flipping there that God will speak to you is the Holy Spirit will speak directly to your heart and you know we someone could refer to that almost as being your conscience and as if you're a christian your heart is a safe thing to trust 
and, and, and the Lord will speak to your heart. And you'll know things on the inside of you that, that it's the Lord speaking to you. But Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if you want to get stronger as a Christian, number one, you got to come to Jesus. Number two, you got to listen to his teachings. And what happens when you listen to Jesus' teachings? You get faith. Faith comes into your heart. And then when storms do come, you're not, you're not sitting there curled up in a ball like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You're saying, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start spitting the word of God out at the trouble. Amen. You say, I always triumph in Christ Jesus. It is so important that you come to Jesus and that you listen to his teachings. And you realize that reading the Bible is just as good as Jesus being in the room right now. No, it's not. Don't say that. It's his written word. It's him speaking directly to you. I'd listen if he was right here in the room. Well, first of all, he said he'd never leave you or forsake you, so he's here. How about that? He's already here. Amen. But we need to take the time to listen to him. Look, look at this. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Let's go. Are you with me today? We're talking about making Jesus the foundation. And, well, I don't got time for that. Listen. Listen. It's a whole lot harder to lay concrete after the flood already came. I suggest that you start laying the foundation right now. My life's all together. I don't need, I don't need that right now. Maybe if something bad happens, I'll turn to Jesus. Hey, it's better late than never. But I'd rather lay the foundation right now before the flood comes and not have to wait until we're, we're just in an emergency situation. So Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And, and it takes time to lay the foundation the right way, but it's always worth it. Always worth it. Luke chapter 10. And what I'm looking at here is the story of Mary and Martha, two sisters. And, uh, and, and they, they both had the same opportunity. This is a, a repeated theme that I see throughout Scripture because I see so many people talk about, you know, well, it's not fair that uh, they didn't have the same trouble. They didn't. Listen, that doesn't matter, even if they did. But every story I'm looking at, people had the exact same opportunity to make the right choice. One person made the right choice and the other didn't. And we've got distractions in this world today. Is anybody in here, you, you've got distractions in your life? Wow, I've got a lot of them. And, you know, there's there's everything going on in the world. We've got people that are, you know, social media every day. Uh, you know, may, uh, you see people pointing at their spouse right now, like, he's my distraction. Well, okay. Hey, you can't help that you married such a good-looking man. Come on, right now? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Man, I am helping you out right now. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got distractions, but we are responsible for pushing through the distractions. And so right here, I've got the story of Mary and Martha, two sisters. Jesus came over to their house. And, you know, if you ever had someone important come over to your house, do you ever, you got to clean the house in a rush and in a hurry? Like, oh my gosh, uh, he's coming over. Uh, stuff everything under the couch. Kids, put that over there. Do this, do that. Th throw the dishes. Put them in the backyard. I don't care. Just get it out of here. Come on. He's coming. And so Jesus is coming over, and they're like, oh, we got to clean. And, yeah, you got to clean. And, you know, maybe the house should have been clean before that. I don't, that's debatable, but that's your thing. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him to, into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet 
listening to what he taught. Didn't Jesus just say, hey, you need to come to me and listen to my teachings? Look at the next verse. But Martha was what? She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus. So they both came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was thinking that Jesus was going to say, Yeah, Mary, selfish little punk, get in there. Make her do all the work. What kind of sister are you? You're a lousy disgrace of a sister. Come on. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, No, 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 I get it. The food's important. That's that's important. Cleaning the house, that's important. That's good. But the most important thing is listening and spending time with Jesus. And and, and Mary chose the most important thing. I'm not going to take that away from her. Then she'd be as crazy as you, Martha. Come on. No. And so in our lives, there's a lot of important things that are good things, right? But there's only one thing that's the most important thing. And so I challenge us and I encourage us that if you want Jesus to be the actual foundation of your life, Yeah, do the important things, but don't do them at the expense of the most important thing. Amen? And so that's what happened right here. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm I'm not taking it away from her. She chose the most important. And so for you, if you want him to be your foundation, you've got to come to Jesus, number one, all right? Number two, you've got to listen to his teachings. And then the third thing today is this. Number three, you've got to actually follow his teachings. And so this is that same verse I've been at all day long. Luke 6, verse 47. Jesus said, I'll show you what it's like when someone, number one, comes to me, number two, listens to my teaching, and number three, follows it. So this first guy that withstood the storm, both guys, check it out. Both guys came to Jesus, right? In fact, both guys actually listened to Jesus. They, I mean, so even the guy that collapsed, he's done two out of the three steps. But he forgot to do the third step, which is the final ingredient to actually making this thing work. And that was to actually follow Jesus and do what he said to do. And so it's not good enough, believe it or not, to just come to Jesus and hear his teachings. You've got to add this in. You've got to actually do what he says to do. You've got to actually follow what his teachings are. Sounds like they got a storm up there with the preschoolers right now. There's a good foundation. This place is rock solid. Don't you worry about that. Amen. But, you know, it it frustrates me because so many times, and, and, you know, after a while, I'm like, man, just quit. But so many times, someone will come and say, hey, I need some counsel. I need some guidance. I need some help in this area. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not your counselor. So let me just lay that out there right now. But I do know this much. I do know the Bible. And so what am I going to do if you come to me for help? I'm going to show you the Bible because I don't got nothing good to say on my own. I, I mean, that's bad English, but it's just the truth. I, I, don't, I don't have that. But if you come to me for help, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you some Bible verses. And I'm going to say, this is what the Bible says to do. If you're having trouble in this area, the scripture says to do this, this, and this. And 
I, I, I do this for people. I show it to them. And then, and then some people do it. And praise God, it changes their life. Some people just don't listen to it. They ignore it and keep in their troubles. Then come to me, man, I just don't see why God won't help me out. I don't see why God doesn't send me any answers. I'm like, I just showed you like five Bible verses. And it frustrates me because Jesus said, you got to come to me, listen to my teaching, and then actually do what I said to do. And then you're going to have this rock solid foundation. But after a while, man, I don't want to keep doing that. I want you to obey what the word of God is saying to do. And so, again, I repeat, Jesus said, why do you even call me Lord when you won't do anything I say? It, it just flat out doesn't make any sense at all. He may be your savior. You realize that, that Jesus may be your savior, but he's certainly not your Lord if you don't obey anything that he says to do. And so what's the savior? Well, praise God. You've got him in your heart. You're going to heaven. That's good. But if you want the blessings of God in this life, if you want the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, healing when you're sick, I mean, all these things that he promises, you've got to make him your Lord and do what he says to do. He's got to be the foundation. And so look at this, John 14, verse 15. John chapter 14 and verse 15. But we cannot call him Lord until we give him full control of our lives. We can't call him Lord until we give him full control of our lives. John 14 in verse 15, and so if someone's here today and they're like, man, I, this is it's not that encouraging to me. It's very encouraging to realize that if I would do things his way, I'm going to have him as my foundation. Well, I don't want to do that. You don't have to do that. You, you flat out don't have to do that. You can choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, right? Joshua 24 and verse 15 says, choose for yourselves today whom you'll serve. We all have the right to make our choices. Nobody can make you choose different. But the thing is, when we choose Jesus and choose to obey what he says to do, then we've got him as our foundation. John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't do anything he says to do. Well, then according to Jesus, you don't love him. No, 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 no. I love him. No, you love the idea of all the blessings. You love the idea of all the inspiration. You love the idea of someone having your back. But Jesus said, the way to tell if you love me is if you'll obey my word, if you'll obey my commandments. And again, what are we talking about? What, how, how do you do this? What is this talking about? When you do this, you're digging deep. To obey his word, you've got to dig deep. And some of it you get right away. And some of it you'll come across some things in the Bible that you may not understand or maybe you don't even really like or agree with. Well, what do you do? You choose to obey out of love for him. You just keep on digging. And what are you doing? You're laying that foundation. You're pouring that concrete. And you may not understand it all. You may not feel like you've got it all together. But it's okay. You don't have to have it all together because Jesus has it all together. Amen? You're not going to heaven because of how good you are. You're going to heaven because of how good Jesus is. And so what am I saying today? You've got to dig deep and lay this foundation. And the very last verse I'm going to show you today is this. James 1 and verse 22. James 1 and verse 22. Amen. So we're talking about making Jesus the foundation for your life. It pays off in the end. The long-term payoff is priceless. 
having the blessing of God on your family, the blessing of God on your life, especially in the turbulent world that we live in, you need this foundation. James 1 and verse 22, now James was the half-brother of Jesus. They shared the same mother, but if I'll let you, you know, figure out the rest, they didn't share the same actual dad, right? So James 1 and verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Well, what happens if you only hear the word, but you never do the word? What happens? You're deceiving yourselves. And I see people that are deceived. I mean, I saw someone just this week, man, Bible verse after Bible verse. And I'm like, that's phenomenal. That's just great. I'm so happy for you that you can post a thousand verses on the internet a week, but when you don't actually do any of them, you're a deceived person. So truthfully, it's great to read a bunch of Bible. You should do that. It's great to know a bunch of Bible, but you know what's even better than that? To actually do a bunch of the Bible. And so somebody that hears it all the time, someone that reads it all the time, but they don't do anything about it, they're a deceived person. Because the blessing doesn't only come from the hearing, the blessing comes from the doing. I didn't become a born-again Christian when I just simply heard that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I became a born-again Christian when I actually called on the name of the Lord, right? I didn't get healed from cancer when I had it just because I heard that, well, the Bible says, you know, uh, that by Jesus' wounds I've been healed, First Peter 2.24. That was the step one. I, I had to hear it, but the next steps came uh, when I had prayer and hands laid on me. The next steps came when I believed that Jesus would heal me when I actually did something about it. And so what I'm telling you today is this. If you want to make Jesus the actual foundation of your life and not just be a bunch of lip service, if you want to actually make him the foundation, you're going to have to start doing what the scripture tells you. You're going to have to actually love your neighbor as yourself, even if they're super annoying, even if you don't like them, even if you don't agree with them. The scripture tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. I know the Bible says all that. That's really good that you know it. But it doesn't do you any good until you actually do it. And so for us today, the last thing I want is to have a bunch of deceived people on our hands, right? What we got to do is we got to come to Jesus. We've got to listen to his teachings. And then we've got to actually do what he says to do. And then as we're doing that, the foundation's being laid. Storms may come, but your family is not going under. Your life is not going under. You can make it through any storm that comes. And it's not because you're sitting there saying, be strong, be strong, you got to be strong. No, no, no. It's not about me being strong. It's about, as Ephesians 6, 10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not how strong I am. It's how strong my foundation is. And my foundation is Jesus Christ, the solid rock. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Can we stand up together today? We're going to stand up together. Praise God. Amen. Now, my heart in all of this, again, you got to hear our hearts in this. We want your family to be blessed. 
We want your family to have the peace of God. I, I don't want it to be where the last place you want to be is at your house because, you know, everyone's going to be fighting. The last place you want to be, I don't want to be around my, uh, my kids or my wife right now. No. It's the will of God for your household to be a sanctuary, a, a, a place full of the presence and the peace of God. Well, that could never happen. It could happen if you make Jesus the foundation of your life. And so I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. If you need prayer today for anything, we'll pray for you, man. If you just need, you know, if you're sick, we want to pray for the healing of God into your body. If you're depressed, we want to pray for the joy of the Lord and the peace of God to overtake your mind and your soul. The biggest thing, though, is this. If you've never actually come to Jesus, that's what I just, that's step one, okay? Step one is to simply come to Jesus and say, you know what? I don't understand everything about Jesus. That's okay, because I don't either. But I know this much. I trust him. Well, you've never seen him. But this one person that I've never seen has done more for me than any person I ever have seen in my life. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll let me in, I'll come in today. Today, Jesus is standing at the door of your life. He's at your heart. He's knocking, saying, It's okay. Let me in. I've got this. I can take this off of you. I can heal this. I can restore this. I can deliver you from this addiction. I can break these chains. He's knocking, and I know you hear it. But it's up to you to answer the door and say, Jesus, I don't, I don't know it all, but I am saying, come on in. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a crack at this. Let him in today. You won't regret it. Jesus loves you, and he's here for you, and he can change things, but you are going to have to do it his way. No more my way or the highway. No, no, forget all that junk. I'm going to do it his way because it always turns out better. Amen? And so... I love you. We got a prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything, please come to them. They're going to pray for you. The biggest thing is this. If you don't have a right relationship with Jesus, maybe you did at one point, but you walked away. That's fine. Let's get it taken care of today. Come to anybody up here. They're going to pray for you. And we're going to get things right with God today. Amen. We love you so much. Josh is going to lead us in some worship. I would normally be right here. I'm going to go get ready for baptisms in just a few minutes. But please come on up for prayer and worship Jesus. Amen. I believe you're the wonder-working God. The wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. You heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. I've heard stories that have proved your faithfulness. I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend. And there is beauty in what 
Jesus it's you Jesus it's you and I believe you're the wonder working God the wonder working God all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe you're the wonder working God you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe too good to not believe too good to not believe I can resurrect a man with my own Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. All the glory to the only one who can. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. The wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working the wonder-working God, all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, you're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love, all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. And the wonder-working God. And the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. You heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Well, I'm going to obey the Lord on this one um, because they're not quite ready for baptism yet. So let me do this. I'm going to pray. And if you know that you should have come up for prayer, you know that you need to get your life right with the Lord. Let's just do that. Okay. Cause now's that time. Okay. So let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, that you are real, that your spirit is real, that your word is the truth. And that, Lord, as we live that out, Father, 
that you're on our side, that you help us every step of the way. So right now I pray for each and every person in here, Lord. Those who are right with you, praise God. Those who are here just to watch a baptism, to watch those who are standing loud and proud for you, praise you, Lord. But Lord, those who are hearing you knock, Lord, I ask that they would open the door right now. If you're in this room right now and you need to get your life right with the Lord, you just raise your hand. You just raise your hand right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't miss it. If it's you, you raise your hand right now. God is good and he is on your side. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Okay. All right. We can lift our heads. And if you raised your hand today, you tell somebody. Jesus isn't in the closet, okay? He's not a hidden thing of our life. We're loud and proud for him, okay? And he'll be loud and proud for you. Amen. Baptisms here are one of the best things that we ever do. So I'm really, really excited today. Kids, I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. Are you excited? This is awesome. Awesome. So some of your siblings and then some of your kids and and other siblings and family members are all getting baptized today. We are going to rejoice with you. So if you would like to go up on the platform, you are more than welcome to do that for your family member. Be courteous of the ones coming after that and go ahead and come back down after yours Um, But please also be cautious of the cords on the platform too. Just watch where you're stepping. But we want you to be able to be up there close and take any video or pictures that you'd like to take as well. All right, can everybody hear us okay through the microphone? Give me a thumbs up. All right, very good. All right, well, praise God. This is Pinky, as we call her. That's her name. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Pinky, how old are you, girl? I'm nine. Pinky is nine years old, and today is, uh, she loves the Lord with all of her heart. She loves to sing to Jesus, and, and she loves being at church. She is a wonderful little girl. But today's her day to make her public stand for Jesus. So, Pinky, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, come over here. Right over here. Go ahead and hold your nose, okay? Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. 
Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, turn this way. All right. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. is Taylor.
life to Jesus, and he's proud of it. He's not ashamed of it. Amen? And so we're very, very excited about this moment here. Amen? And, of course, his mom is, everyone knows, Alexis, and just a great part of the church and all of, her, all of his family. So, Xavier, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Come right over here. Stay right here. Okay. Go ahead and hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. since last Easter, and uh, we just love them so much, a good, godly Christian family, and they're laying the foundation the right way, so we're super excited, and we love them. So, Shayla, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son, that he died and rose again? Yes. All right, you step right over here. Amen. Go ahead and hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. All right, come over here. 
that upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Any of you want to go under? No. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sticking around for our baptism service. I'm going to have Pastor Katie go ahead and uh, close things out for us today. But thank you for celebrating their decision to make Jesus the foundation of their lives. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. service, there'll be a nice sign right over here that you can take pictures with your family um, and make sure that you get lots and lots of good pictures to celebrate today. So let me pray over you and then we'll say our Barstow Faith Confession before we leave. Sound good? Okay. Father, thank you so much for your word that came forth today. I ask, Lord, that the seeds that were planted in our heart, that we would keep them close, Father, that those would grow down deep and be able to be a great foundation for us. May we listen to you and follow you, Lord. Thank you for keeping us safe and protected as we go our separate ways today and bringing us back tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. All y'all kids are in here. Who's doing the Barstow Faith Confession with me? Okay. Aliana was the first one up. These kids know those words, man. All right. Ready, girlfriend? We declare that Barstow's a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow's healed. Barstow's prospered. Barstow's safe. Barstow's strong. Barstow's surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow's full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow's full of the glory of God. Barstow's come to Jesus. Barstow's safe. In Jesus' name, amen.